0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 482. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Proverbs with chapter 20. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue on our study with Psalm 20, which goes like this. "'Wine is a mocker, and beer a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise.' Some things don't change. Apparently, we don't drink wine or beer to make us smarter. Nor, for that matter, anything that influences our brain chemistry is probably not going to make us wise. A king's wrath strikes terror like the roar of a lion. Those who anger him forfeit their lives. This is very similar to the verse we had last week about the roar of a lion that we remember talking about. And it's really just good advice. Don't anger the king. Don't anger somebody with power. It is to one's honor to avoid strife. Again, a lot of proverbs here about being argumentative, starting fights, and that it is wise to avoid fighting. And here it's saying to one's honor. And obviously the reason for that is that quite often we think the opposite. If I had a nickel for every time I ran into somebody in juvenile hall who got there because somebody said something bad about them and they couldn't just let it go, it wasn't a good decision. And quite often it led to something that they now regret. Sluggards do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. It is too late at harvest time to decide you should have plowed the fields. right? And that's something that even non-farmers like us know. And yet, how many times do we put off that decision? How many times do we put off getting that degree or finishing that thing that we've got to do or looking at the homework that we've got or all of those things that we put off, and we put off until it's too late? There is a season for everything, we are told by the Bible, and we do the right thing in the right season. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters but one who has insight draws them out. It is not easy to tell why someone does what they do or what they're thinking. And it's saying that it takes that sort of insight to draw people out, to learn what they're thinking, to think like they do, to be able to understand and communicate with them. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. Think about it. When was the last time you went to a wedding and they said, will you promise to, and then there are all these promises, you know, forsaking all others and tell death to you, pardon, whatever. And how many times did you hear the other person say, well, yeah, pretty much. We don't. We say yes, right? Right. We all promise these things, and yet we know a large percentage of us fail. And I'd say some percentage of people, even at the moment they're making those promises, know they're not even really going to try. It's easy to say the words. It's easy to claim unfailing love. The way we prove that is by being faithful. Day after day, month after month, year after year. The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. What we do in our lives will be reflected on our children. Those of us who are trying to lead good lives, that will have a positive impact on our kids. If nothing else, it will have a positive impact because it will encourage them that this is the way you live. And those who don't will have a negative impact. It's just the way things are. When a king sits on the throne to judge, he winnows out all evil with his eyes. Interesting, winnowing with the eyes. You winnow, how many of you have seen winnowing, where you take grain and you throw it up in the air and you let the wind blow away the chaff until you have the valuable part, the kernel of the grain. When I was in the Philippines, we went to the Batad village, which is rice terraces, and they still make their food from the grain that they grow. And every day, three times a day, they are pounding rice and they are winnowing rice. So it was interesting as we were there, we were seeing them do this process. And it's saying that the king also winnows. The king is trying to find as he's looking out on the people around him He's trying to find the good. He's trying to find what is going to be of value, and he's trying to winnow out the rest, to to weed out the rest would be the other way we would say that, including all of those who are acting with evil. Who can say, I have kept my heart pure, I am clean and without sin? Paul in Romans 3 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the proverb is saying the same thing here, too. We're not going to be without sin. We're not going to be pure in heart. We can try, and that's a good thing, but we're not perfect. Differing weights and differing measures, the Lord detests them both. Again, a repeated theme here. This is at least the third time we've had this, where you would have your own weights. And someone who is dishonest would try and have one set of weights for when they buy and another set of weights for when they sell. And you don't want to do that. That is inconsistent and that is dishonest. Use true measures, whether you're buying or selling, buy what you deserve and sell what you deserve. And in the same ways, treat people fairly in whatever you're doing. Don't just be trying to get the best for yourself. Don't be cheating. Even small children are known by their actions, so is their conduct really pure and upright? That's interesting that we we get this in the form of a question here. I'm guessing the answer is no, since we just decided that all of us were impure and with sin. Even small children are known by their actions. What that implies is that we who are no longer small children are also known by our actions, and that that is so obvious that he doesn't need to say that. The proverb focuses on small children, saying, if small children who were willing to cut some slack because they're small children are known for their actions, how much more so are you? How much more so when people talk about you behind your back or to your face, are they impressed by or depressed by what they see that you do? "'Ears that hear and eyes that see, the Lord has made them both.'" This is not just an anatomy lesson but it's talking about ears that hear, ears that can discern what's being said, eyes that see, not just eyes that are functional visually, but eyes that are that are seeing the right things, eyes that are seeing through things. And specifically that God made both of those that that being able to see the right things, be able to see with wisdom, be able to discern is a gift of God. Do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. Now, this is a problem for me because I do love sleep. It doesn't mean I sleep too much, but I really enjoy it while I'm doing it. And I suspect to hear he's thinking more about don't love sleep so much that that's all you do or don't love sleep to the extent that you're not putting in the work. It's no good. It's no good, says the buyer, then goes off and boasts about the purchase. This is obviously, we're talking about a society here that was used to bartering, right? And isn't that what you do when you barter? No, no, no. That's no good. That's no good. Trying to drive the price down. And then you go off later on and talk about how good you made other purchase, right? And I think what it's talking about here is, are we honest in our dealings, right? Are we honest as we deal with one another? Gold is there and rubies in abundance, but lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. Think about that. Let's say you needed advice for your business. How much would it be worth for you to get good advice or to know that you were getting good advice? People pay all sorts of money for business coaches, for life coaches, for all of those things because we know, we understand that knowledge that people who can save us from making that mistake, who can save us from making that – heading in that wrong direction – The counselors, the advisors, all of those things have great value, greater value even than gold and rubies, the proverb is saying. Take the garment of one who puts it up for security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done for an outsider. This again is talking about how we deal with those who don't have power, how we deal with those who are outside the community and therefore vulnerable. And it's saying at this point, take the garment if someone's putting up for security Take a risk on them because God cares for them. God cares for those without power especially, the poor, the outsider, the foreigner, the servant. We should go the extra distance to care for them as well. Food gained by fraud tastes sweet but ends up with a mouthful of gravel. A mouthful of gravel does not sound good. Food gained by fraud has a sour aftertaste. That it's not the best thing to do; that it may all feel good at the time, but but it is not good in the long term. Plans are established by seeking advice, so if you wage war, obtain guidance. Again, we talked about guidance above. How much more so when lives are on the line? Think about the Iraq War and think about what poor intelligence we had, and how that has been damaging to the number of people who died in the American forces, but the number of people who died in Iraq and and the terrible destabilization of that region. And how much of that came from having bad advice and bad intelligence going in? So how much more so when lives are on the line, should we obtain wise guidance? A gossip betrays confidence. So avoid anyone who talks too much. And when here we're talking about talk, too much. I don't think we're just talking about the sheer amount of words, although it could imply that as well. But talks too much here is also someone who talks and says too much, right? A gossip betrays a confidence. And I think the also thought is if their mouths just keep moving, eventually they're going to be saying the wrong things. And so the Proverbs definitely has a preference for people who speak fewer words also. If someone curses their father or mother, their lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Again, one of these many verses we've seen talking about honoring your father and your mother. Honor your father and mother and you'll live a long and happy life is what we were told in the Ten Commandments. So don't be cursing your father or mother. An inheritance claimed too soon will not be blessed at the end. An inheritance claimed too soon. Well, how do you claim inheritance? You claim it like that prodigal son did by claiming it before someone dies. That doesn't sound like a blessing. A better blessing is, as the other brother hopefully eventually realized, is having your father. The son who took half of everything his father had and went off had the poorer half, because he had the stuff but not the relationship. The son who stayed behind made a wiser choice. Do not say, I'll pay you back for this wrong, wait for the Lord, and he will avenge you. We are not called to be people who live by petty revenge. We are not called to, it is wrong, Proverbs is saying, for us to be constantly looking at who are we going to get back because who has done us wrong. It sounds like a bad country western song, and that's not a great way to live. The Lord detests differing weights and dishonest scales do not please him. Again, a repeat of what was said above, measure correctly, deal with people fairly. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How can anyone understand their way? Well, I think we learned very early on in this chapter that it takes great insight to understand somebody's way, and maybe we don't know what they're doing, is possibly what this one is implying. How can anyone understand their way if they're being directed by the Lord? Maybe cut them a little slack there. It is a trap to dedicate something rashly and only later consider one's vows. Dedicate something rashly, we have to put this in context. You could say this item is dedicated to God's use. It could become holy, as in set apart for God's use. And if you set apart your car for God's use and then realized you needed to run to the store for some other purpose, that might be something that was done too rashly. I'm not sure how that carries over into our lives because I think dedicating something to God's use is not something we do, or maybe it's not something we do enough. A wise king winnows out the wicked. He drives the threshing wheel over them. Again, we have this threshing analogy here and this winnowing, but this time it's saying the threshing wheel. And the threshing wheel is after you've winnowed the grain, you're going to thresh it, you're going to break apart those kernels, and that is something where you use a great heavy weight. In Roman times, that heavy weight was called a tribulum, and we get our word tribulation from that, I feel crushed by this heavy weight. And here it's saying that those who are winnowed out by being wicked by the king, you're going to be crushed. You're going to have tribulation. So don't be wicked. Don't be wicked before the king. And remember, God is our king. The human spirit is a lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. There's an alternate version of this in terms of translation, which is a person's words are the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. That one is a little easier to understand. Your actions and your words both tell what's going on inside. How can you tell what somebody is thinking, what do they say, and what do they do? Love and faithfulness keep a king safe Through love, his throne is made secure. You don't make your throne secure by being that terrible tyrant who just makes everybody fear them. Many a tyrant has tried, but that is not wise. The glory of young men is their strength. Gray hair is the splendor of the old. When we are young, we boast about our strength. But when we get older, we don't get stronger. Hopefully, though, we get wiser. And the gray hair the hair that is being used, is, I think, a symbol here in Proverbs of that we have grown older and wiser. Blows and wounds scrub away evil, and beatings purge the inmost being. Yikes, first of all. I'm not sure this is intending us to do self-flagellation here, but it certainly sounded like that at first reading. But think of it perhaps as discipline that sometimes the way that we need correction is we need to be disciplined. We need to be disciplined by those in authority, or we need to be disciplined by God who has the ultimate authority to make sure that our paths are straight and that we're heading in the right direction. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. We only have 11 more chapters left to go in Proverbs. If you have a question, send an email to host at Podcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Scripture and brain science agree. Meditating on God's Word transforms us and reduces stress in our lives. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I give you space to hear God's Word, listen to the Spirit, and pray about what's on your heart. And then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper